0: raised him as their child, the Pandavas have now come back to Hastinapur and the the danger to the Pandavas and the mother comes especially from Duryodhana now he's of course he's precocious he's a very uh, precocious young demon <laughs> and even though a, a little time passes and they're only, you could say 12 or 13 years old, but he decides that uh, he can't stand the fact that the Pandavas are so popular with the people. He realizes that Yudhisthira has the strongest claim to the throne on two grounds, actually, as I explained. First of all, because his father was king. And secondly, because among the family, he was the firstborn. So, Yudhisthira's claim is the strongest. The people want him. And Duryodhana, as an Asura, is determined uh, to eliminate Yudhisthira and the Pandavas. He begins with Bhima. Uh, Duryodhana and Bhima are about the same age, and this is kind of like the uh, perfection of sibling rivalry, you could say. Uh, Bhima was the strongest. Remember, Bhima is the son of Vayu, the wind god. And uh, when they were children, when, when the Pandavas first came back, and they would play you know, childhood sports, Bima was always too strong for Duryodhana. And this simply fueled his envy. So he actually tried to poison Bima. He actually tried to poison Bima. He gave Bima poison, lethal poison. Uh, one of Bima's popular names, which you find in the Bhagavad Gita, is Brikodara, wolf belly. Bima had a voracious appetite. He alone could probably keep the food industry and business. And, so, <laughs> and also, Bhima's father, of course, is Vayu, and he ate this poison and simply digested it. <laughs> and then Bhima tried by other means. There's another story in the Mahabharata. Bhima was sleeping very soundly after a good meal. He would sleep very soundly. They were at the bank of the river after they'd gone for some sporting... And uh, Duryodh took advantage of the up and rolled him into the river, at which point uh, Bima simply woke up and snapped the ropes, which were supposed to be unsnappable ropes.
1: So in this way,
0: uh, Duryodh tried. He was uh, sort of at the beginning of his career as an assassin, which he would...
1: <laughs>
0: he tried to kill Bima and failed, and then something else happened. Something happened... Which, for the time being, uh, postponed any further attempts to kill Bing or the other Pandavas. And that is the arrival of Drona. And I want to speak a moment about Drona because he's one of the most important characters in the Mahabharata, the Dronacharya. Uh, he had an unusual birth. Almost everybody in the Mahabharata has an unusual
1: birth. <laughs>
0: In any case, uh, he was a powerful Brahmin and strongly inclined to teach uh, martial arts, warfare. Brahmins taught, and they might, for example, nowadays, if you go to a university, there are professors many departments. Professors teach many things, and they're all professors. So the same way, Drona, or the Brahmins taught many things. Drona taught military skills. And there is a popular Hindu misconception, which I would like to... Rectify. And that is that, um, well, here's how the story goes. This, this is the common version of the story that I would like to provide you with some additional information, which I think will make it clear what really happened. When Drona was a child, uh, he was in a school, a gurukula. And another student there was a young boy his age named Drupada. Drupada was not a Brahmin. Drupada was a Kshatriya. And in fact, he was heir to the throne of Panchala, which after the Kurus is one of the most prominent dynasties in ancient India. So uh, Drupada and Drona were very close friends. And in their childhood, when they were young children, uh, Drupada said something like when I grow up, you know, I'll share what I have with you. He said this, this as a child. And uh, so w- when they actually did grow up and Drupada became king of Panchala, Drona went to his palace one day and asked for part of the kingdom. And uh, Drupada said I don't think so. I, I'm not really into uh, dividing the nation right now. And he said, but when you were a child, you said that? And he said, yeah, you I know. Mean, anyway, so, so the popular version of this is that uh, at this point, Drona was a very poor Brahmin. He was a very poor Brahmin. And he had nothing. In fact, was even if you look at the different versions of this, which kind of crept into the, the manuscripts over the ages, uh, there's even one version where Drona's son, Ashwatthama, who will grow up to perform admirable deeds like decapitating sleeping children. Anyway, Ashwatthama, uh, Ashwatthama, sort of one of the villains of the Mahabharata, was his son. And there's there's a popular story that little Ashwatthama was crying for milk and his father told him, I'm sorry, we're poor, I can't afford milk. But all the other kids have milk, I'm sorry, we're just, you know, I, I can't afford milk for you. And so he goes to Drupada. Now, here are a few facts to show, I think, that this is not really what happened. And so I'll give you some other information from the Mahabharata. Drona married a wonderful lady named Kripi, sometimes mispronounced in the West as creepy. But uh, <laughs> actually, her name, you may have heard that. You know. uh, West people will say, like, her brother Kripa, Kripa. But actually, her name is Kripi. And so, these were twins. These were twins who also had a very unusual birth, sort of a mystical birth. Anyway, so this brother, Kripa and Kripi, were adopted by none other than, let's go back a bit, Shantanu. The great Kuru Emperor Shantanu adopted Kripa, who became the great Kripacharya, the great, one of the great leaders and, uh, and his sister, Kripi. Drona married Kripi. What this means is that Drona married into the richest family in the world. So, I don't think he had a problem buying a little ancient beta carton milk. <laughs> he actually married into the richest family in the world. And to show that these this family bond was actually serious, this, as the story goes in the Mahabharata, when uh, Drupada rebukes Drona and says, no, you can't have part of my kingdom, Drona immediately goes to Hastinapur, the great Kuru capital, and basically all he has to do is show up, and he is completely endowed. There's a very nice story that uh, when he first comes into the city, the princes, the princes, the Pandavas and and Duryodhana and his brothers, they're all playing and they're playing with a ball and the ball falls into a well and they can't figure out how to get the ball out of the well. (coughs) So young Drona walks up. Another thing about Drona is that um, he also has received weapons from an avatar. There was a military avatar named Parashuram. Parashuram, not to be confused with Parashura, but Parashuram. Parashuram means sort of an axe and someone who has a lot of fun with his axe is called Parashuram. (laughs) And that's another story of how he saved the world another time. In any case, Parashuram retired from his military activities and gave all his weapons to Drona. So here's poor Drona, you know, the, the, the man who can't get milk for his kid. He has these supernatural weapons from an avatar, and, you know, people are willing to pay for stuff like that. And he marries into the richest family in the world, and he can't afford milk. In any case, when he goes to Hassanapur, the the ball fell into the well. He can't get the ball out of the well. The boys can't get it. So Jonah says, step aside. He takes an arrow, shoots the arrow straight down into the wall. It's a great movie. Shoots the arrow straight down into the the well and and, and it pierces the ball. Then he shoots another arrow that, that sticks in the first arrow. Another arrow sticks in that. He creates a chain of arrows and pulls the ball out and says, anything else? (laughs) So the boys, of course, are astonished at this feat of archery and they say to him, Who are you? Who are you? To which he says, "Uh, Go tell your grandfather, Bhishma. Because Bhishma now is sort of overseeing the kingdom. The Pandavas are born, Pandu is gone, Dhritarashtra is there, of course. And... uh, and the grandfather is, is Bhishma, Bhitama Bhishma. So, the boy, so Drona tells the boys, tell your grandfather what I did. He'll know me. He'll tell you who I am. So the Pandavas go and tell Bhishma and he says, oh, that's Drona. <laughs> and so what happens, Drona immediately, immediately gets posted as the principal of the military, royal military school, college and is given charge of the Pandavas and the Kurus to train them in, in military arts. He gets a, a nice little palace, and he, and all the milk he wants. So, <laughs> the reason I mention this is... Anyway, I won't tell you why I mention it, but I will tell you. Because one of the things I'm doing as I'm working on the Mahabharata is kind of like trying to straighten these things out and, and get back to the original story. So... Anyway, uh, so Drona now is in charge of training these princes and uh, after he trains them, he tells them you have to pay your Guru Dakshina. Uh, guru Dakshina means that, well, it's like tuition. You know, After you study with the teacher, you have to offer some gift to the teacher. So, uh, it came time to offer this... I mean, I'll tell you one more story before we get to the Dakshina part. Uh, and that is that... Uh, Arjuna. Arjuna was destined to be the greatest archer, and there's a wonderful story which I personally really like. And that is that at one point Drona wanted to test all his students, and so he created an artificial bird, or he had it made, it wasn't a real bird, it was just like a little mechanical bird. And he had it put in a tree, and the students had to try to shoot an arrow through the eye of this mechanical bird. So he called the students up one by one. He began with Yudhisthira and said, "Okay, Yudhisthira, stand up. Who teaches You know, stand up." And uh, then he said, "Do you see the tree where the bird is? Yes. Do you see the bird? Yes. Do you see me? Yes. I see you, teacher." He said, "All right, sit down." <laughs> and then he called Duryodhana and basically they had the same dialogue. And Duryodhana also was told, "Sit down." And he finally he came to Arjuna. Arjuna stood up and Jonas said, Do you see the tree? No. Do you see the bird? No. Do you see me? No. What do you see? I only see the eye of the bird. And then uh, Jonas said, Now fire your arrow and he hit the target. So this is a very good story, of course, in terms of determination in our spiritual life. Determination to actually achieve our goal. Arjun only saw the target. So, anyway, the boys are being trained, and it's very interesting because you have these suras and asuras. Both the Pandavas and Riyodhana and some of his brothers, they're actually not humans. And they actually have these great powers, and so Jonah's training them. And uh, <clears throat> then at the end, he says, you're ready. So two things are going to happen, and both these events are very significant for the rest of the story. One is that uh, Drona claims his Guru dakshina. He wants his tuition. He, wants, he has the right to ask of the boys whatever he, whatever he likes. And secondly, there's going to be a graduation ceremony. Naturally, you know, after you send your kids to school, you want them to go to their graduation. And so there's going to be a graduation ceremony and something very uh, amazing will happen at that graduation. Anyway, so for the Dakshina, Drona now tells them uh, I want the kingdom of Drupada. That's your tuition. In other words, he wants his students now that he's trained with all these fantastic weapons to go to the kingdom of Panchala, defeat, and defeat Drona, uh, Drupada. Now, this was uh, difficult for the Pandavas because, as we learn from the text, Drupada was a very dear friend of their father, Pandu. Drupada was one of the dearest friends of Pandu, the father of the Pandavas. And here, and he was practically therefore, you know, he, he, he was like a member of the family, and now they had to go and humiliate and defeat him. For the warriors, for Kshatriya's kings, to be defeated like this was very much worse than death. In fact... Krishna, as you know, says in Bhagavad Gita, that for one who has been honored or highly conceived of, literally, uh, dishonored is worse than death. We, we have the word kirtan to so the word infamy here is akirti. Like kirti is kirtan, akirti. Maranada uh, is worse than death. So, obviously, the Pandavas were extremely conflicted and, and yet they had to follow their guru. This was such a strong cultural principle that one has to follow one's guru that they went and did it. They, they attacked Panchala, the kingdom of one of their father's dearest friends, and defeated him. And then Drona came along and said to Drupada, you know, I'm such a nice guy. And he really he really meant it. He really thought he was being a nice guy. <laughs> He said, I am such a nice guy, I'm going to give you half your kingdom back. (laughs) What do you say about that? (laughs) Jupiter, at the moment, said, you really are a great guy. And he took out his kingdom back, and from that moment, he only had one thought in his mind. How can I kill (laughs)
1: Jonah?
0: These warriors, they were... This points up a problem with Jonah. You know, characters often have tragic flaws, and in this case, a flaw which uh, Bhima himself will point out many, many years later in the Battle of Kurukshetra, that he is a Brahmana. He's receiving all of the honor of a Brahmana, and yet he has political ambitions. And in the Vedic system, there was supposed to, there, there was this clear separation. The Brahmins are given so much honor and respect, the Gurus, precisely because uh, they're detached. They're they're in a higher state of consciousness. And so to take all this honor, and yet to really harbor political ambitions, and eventually Drona will fight and kill, uh, even for the wrong side. So this is a point of tension. And... uh, Without going into the details, you read Mahabharata, you can see that this social system where you have on top, it's like Plato's Republic, on top you have the wise people, the enlightened Brahmins, and and then you have the warriors. From time to time there was tension. There are cases of Brahmins killing Kshatriyas, as in the case of Parashuram. There's a case of Kshatriyas killing Brahmins, as in the story of Orva, of the Brahmin. And so, there was tension. I mean, most of the time it worked, but occasionally there, there were real tensions. And Drona is an example of this. And there will be more tension which will come out at, at Draupadi swam Vara, and I'll explain that, more class tensions. Uh, Karl Marx would have been pleased uh, <laughs> by these class tensions. Anyway, so uh, Drona uh, has humiliated Jupiter, and uh, Jupiter. Who we'll get back to a little later, but for now, he is completely depressed. In fact, he's like, oh, you know, that, oh, fun, you know, I get half the kingdom now. So he's really not interested in that half the kingdom, and he's depressed because he realizes that I cannot defeat Drona's Brahminical power. He has this power as a Brahmin, and my sons cannot help me. My sons cannot help me to defeat Drona. And then, therefore he's thinking, like, what is the use of my kshatriya power if I can be completely humiliated and my, my throne usurped by a so-called Brahmin?" So Drupada is very unhappy, and he decides to leave his kingdom and go to the forest and find a sage, a yogi, that can somehow or other fix his problem. Corresponders don't know about this at this point. Meanwhile, it's time for, th- you know, having paid the guru Dakshina and humiliated one of their father's dear friends because their brahminical guru has political ambitions. Uh, meanwhile, uh, it's time for the graduation ceremony. And, I mean, come on. Everyone here has been to a graduation ceremony, right? I mean, it's a time of a great festivity for the family. Everyone's proud of the kids and so on. And this is very much the mood. In fact, Dhritarashtra... Uh, has a special arena built. They seem to do this all the time. There's a lot of special arenas built back then. He has a special arena built just for the graduation ceremony. And at the graduation ceremony, the kids, you know, they show their family what the family got for their money. You know, what they've learned in school. And so they're going to perform all their military skills. And, And Arjun especially exhibits amazing uh, skills, all kinds of mystic weapons and things. You can send an arrow deep into the earth and bring it back. They can manipulate the, the physical elements, creating water and fire and moving earth and so on. So, so that they really gained this... Because there was a military yoga, you could say, just as there are certain yoga cities. So it was a... Um, may I just say one word very briefly about how these powers worked? For example, in this literature, you always read about great sacrifices where uh, empowered Brahmins, like the ones that Yaga, Upa, Yaga, the ones that Drupal is going to find, they can do almost anything with sacrificial fire. They can create things, they can destroy things, they, can, they have almost unlimited power. Uh, in a sense, a, a clue to this was the idea which was borrowed from Vedic culture and used in the Avatar movement. And that is the uh, the interconnectedness of all things. The idea is uh, very, very basically and, and quickly that because God is everywhere, as Krishna says in Gita, mayata sarvan, that God pervades the universe, and because all things are in God, uh, as Krishna says, jomang sarvatra, one who sees me everywhere, jomai sarvam one who sees everything in me, is, is the yogi. So. Uh, Because God is everywhere, and everything is God, in a sense, every point in space is connected to every other point in space. And uh, also, uh, in the sacrificial fire, if you study these ancient texts on on Vedic sacrifice, uh, the sacrificial arena, which they would create different fires, fires representing the earth, representing uh, the heavenly world, representing the world of the forefathers, and so on. And, And the sacrificial arena was a microcosm of the universe, and think of your computer screen. Does anyone here have a computer? <laughs> think of your computer screen, and the icons on your screen. And so you click on icons and, and actually you can activate all kinds of things which are connected to the icon. So in the same way, the sacrificial arena basically was a type of was a microcosm of the universe in which the fires and so on were almost like icons. And also other things offered in the fire. And so you could you could connect with and access all kinds of powers. For example, uh different mantras or different physical objects would actually become icons connected to cosmic elements like earth, fire, water, and so on and so forth. Anyway, that's a whole other topic, but uh that was the basic idea. So it, it's not just mythology, it was actually an extremely sophisticated science. So our so the warriors also the warriors also uh use mystic powers. For example, you know, the ashman when you do, Arteca, when you do the ashman, right, you know, put water in your hand to purify you. There's an that there's a little purificatory thing with water that's always done before releasing sort of the celestial weapons. Weapons are of two kinds in the Mahabharata. There's manusha weapons, which are human weapons, and then divya, they're celestial weapons from higher dimensions and so especially when releasing these higher weapons they all, the texts will always say something like upasprisha that you have to perform you, you perform it, it, it's something like uh, the yoga process or even the puja where you perform ashram you chant mantras and then you you invoke these weapons by connecting to powerful forces within the universe <clears throat> and, and the, there was separate it, there was a separate skill to release a weapon and to withdraw it you could actually pull a weapon back I mean can't do that with a cannonball or you know, you shoot a missile. And, well, actually some missiles you can call back up to a certain point. But anyway, so Argus, is, is sort of exhibiting all these fantastic powers, military powers, and uh, suddenly there's this commotion at the entrance to the arena. And uh, a gentleman walks in, uh, very passionate for no reason anybody could ascertain a little angry. And a young man who claims that whatever Arjuna is doing, I can do. So everyone's shocked. And and of course, this person will, is Karna. This person is Karna. Karna, if you remember, is the son that no one knows it's the son of Kunti. This is actually the pond of his brother, but they don't know it. And Karna doesn't know it. There's only one person on earth that knows it, and that's Kunti. And she is not going to talk about it. So when Kunti sees, and she knows it's her son, when she sees him walk into the arena, she is, it almost faints. And, I have to say, in India, Karna is like every mother's son. In a sense that everyone feels sorry for Karna. And, uh, I like Karna, but there are a few things you have to know about Karna. Because he is, I think, if if you actually read the Sanskrit text of the Mahabharata, a somewhat different picture comes up. The first time we hear about Karna is when he is born uh, from Kunti uh, uh, after her contact with with the sun god, Surya. And then we hear, of course, he's placed in a basket and adopted by a childless couple, a very loving couple. Karna did not grow up without love, actually grew up with a tremendous amount of love. The next time we hear about Karna is when he barges into the graduation ceremony. Remember what a graduation ceremony is? It's a time when the young people are performing or, or, or they're in front of their families. Remember the Pandavas... Uh, Two of them are complete orphans. The other three have lost their father and one of their mothers. They've grown up in these difficult circumstances. And Karna, for no reason that's mentioned anywhere in the Mahabharata, really can't stand Arjuna. He can't stand the attention he's getting and wants to humiliate him in front of his family on his graduation date. So this is poor Karna. Another thing about Karna, and again, I, I'm not trying to uh, just destroy the character of Karna because, yes, he has many good qualities also, and he is born of the sun god and Kunti. Is, but there are some character flaws here which are simply undeniable. Another point is that in his eagerness to get power, he lied to an avatar. I mentioned already that uh, Parashuram is an avatar, a Brahman, who... Uh, at a certain point in time eliminated certain warriors who had was sort were of violating dharma you could say and then retired. So Parashuram had all these powerful weapons and Drona went to Drona went to I'm sorry, Karna Okay, I'm back Karna went to Parashuram Karna went to Parashuram and said I want to be your student and Parashuram said, I will only teach a Brahman. I will not teach a warrior, because that was his thing. You know, he, he really had a problem with warriors. So, Drona at that point said, I am a Brahmin. He lied. He lied to Parashuram. And then there's a famous story where he was, uh, one day the guru, I think, was, was lying down with his head in the lap of his student, and, and some kind of really ferocious little bug was... Biting Karna, but because he didn't want to disturb his guru, he just clenched his teeth and didn't say anything. And then his guru woke up and said that only a kshatriya could have that type of self-command and tolerance. And so, anyway, whatever happened, it came out that he was really a And then, and then the guru uh, Parasram cursed him in different ways, and so on. Uh, so now you could say Karna. What you could say in his favor is he 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 had the most aristocratic birth possible. Uh, it's understood in the Vedic culture that all of the royal families in the world, all, all the warriors, come down from two lines, from the sun and the moon, sun gone and moon gone. So Karna, born directly of the sun, to the other princess Kunti, was extremely aristocratic. And yet, like um, Satyavati, actually, like Satyavati, was born in a social situation which he didn't really have opportunities to act according to his ability. At the same time, uh, he tried to resolve this by by cheating, by lying. And um, later on we'll see the Pandavas in a similar situation where the Pandavas, who are these great warriors, lose everything and have no opportunity to act as Kshatriyas. And yet they don't lie to anyone, they just go away and sort of dedicate themselves to self-realization. So Karna, uh, again, when he first comes in, because I want to get this story straight, and Karna, of course, will be an important figure later in the story. And so when he first appears, this is his first appearance as an adult in the Mahabharata. There is not a hint anywhere in the Mahabharata that Arjuna had offended him in any way, or any of the Pandavas, and yet he first comes in uh, absolutely determined to humiliate. Uh, Arjuna to defeat him, kill him if possible because he's well, I, you almost want to use the E word, he's envious As some, something about he, he really can't stand uh, Arjuna's success and so uh, then Bhima pulls the cast card, you know he plays the cast card and, because Karna says I can do everything Arjuna is doing in fact he starts to do it and then, he, then, he, then he challenges Arjuna to a duel right there, let's like settle this right here to the death so Karna is you know there are issues there you can say anger or whatever it is and again this is Arjuna who's never even seen the guy Arjuna has no idea who this is so Bhima Bhima says to Karna hey what's your last name buddy
1: in other words
0: (laughs) his Godra he wants to find out like are you even a Kshatriya because we've never heard of you we kind of know who the royal families are (laughs) <laughs> and at that point, uh, there's sort of a poignant moment in, 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 in the Mahabharata where uh, Karna's father was the chariot maker. Chariot maker was a respectable guy, but not anywhere near high class. So he comes in, his father comes in, His you know, sort of aging father, and, and everyone realizes, oh my God, that's his father. So... That kind of like answers the question of who Karna is and he's embarrassed because, and, and so then Duryodhana steps forward and realizes here's the man that can get me what I want he can kill Arjuna and so therefore Duryodhana with the most transparent motives possible suddenly becomes Mr. I don't know Liberté, Égalité <laughs> you know Mr. Liberal and says well if he's not a king, I'll make him a king. And so right there and then, it's interesting because the Old Testament kings are anointed, isn't it? Messiah, they're, they're anointed with oil. And in the Vedic culture, they're anointed with water. Abhishekta, So that's a word for Messiah, I guess, Abhishekta, the, 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 the one who's been anointed. What's very interesting about this story is it shows that there was flexibility in the caste system. In other words, no one said, wait a second, you can't make him a king. <coughs> Duryodhana had all kinds of lands under his father because by that time, Dhritarashtra, his name, Dhritarashtra's name means when he held on to the kingdom. And they had all kinds of lands and Dhritarashtra appeared to be in no hurry to, uh, it was almost like Prince Charles and his mother, you know. I mean, there was, it looks like he's never going to be the king. So, so anyway, um, when Duryodhana Said that I'll make you a king, no one said you can't do that. And in fact, if you read ancient Vedic literature, some of the ancient Brahman literatures, it does explicitly say that uh, despite one's birth, qualification ultimately is what counts. And in the Gita, Krishna talks many times about the Varna the system, actually, and always says that your position in the Varna system comes by your, from your nature, svabhavaja. It's born of your nature depends on your quality, guna, karma, vipagash, and so on. So, anyway, Duryodhana immediately anoints Karna with water, not oil. This is India. And uh, Karna becomes the king of Anga, which is some um, place out there. Now, what's interesting is that Karna never actually goes there. If you, if you for example, if you, if you study the history of uh, Japanese monarchy... Uh, or, or in other places in the world what you find is there are certain people who are technically in charge of different provinces but they never go there they just hang out at the palace of the emperor of the main king and so Karna was like that I mean, there's no mention of Karna ever stepping foot in that place but he's always kind of hanging around Drona uh, but he. so now Karna's a king and now he can fight with Arjuna but uh, the fight is called an account of rain. What happens is that, uh, you know, the weather changes and and, and because what you have now is Indra and Surya because Surya, the sun god, sees his son down there and Indra, the rain god, sees his son and so, basically, you know, there's a big weather event and and there's no fight. But the battle lines are drawn. Now Drona, uh, I'm sorry... Duryodhana. Now Duryodhana has a complete uh, mood swing, in a sense, in the sense that he's no longer intimidated and afraid. He feels that with Karna, I can now defeat the Pandavas. So he's really, he's really encouraged by this. And so it's you know it's a brand new assassination game now. Now what happens with this new confidence he has? With this new confidence he has. Um, he's he sort of emboldened and he thinks he has a very good idea how to get rid of all the Pandavas at once. And because Karna's there, even just discover someone's there to protect him. And so, may I just mention this very quickly, a few more minutes. Um, typically, he goes to his father. Now, when his father found out that, you know, Sonny Boy, his son Duryodhana, had tried to kill uh, Bhima, there's no hint of any repercussions like... You have to go to reform school, or you have to, or whatever. It's just like don't do that, or at least don't let anyone know you're doing that. And so now, again, Duryodhana consults with his father. This is what he tells his father in Mahabharata. He tells his father, "Give me one year without the Pandavas, and I will bribe the military. I'll you know award people promotions and this and that." I will secure alliances with other kingdoms. If I just have one year and with all the facilities of the treasury and the power to you know, give awards and promotions and all that and form alliances, if I have one year like that, we can really get control of this kingdom without having to worry about the Pandavas. So this in the Mahabharata is what Duryodhana agrees to. Duryodhana has something much worse in mind. And so, what he does is, he. One thing, if you read ancient Indian political texts, they really were into espionage. There's like, there's a lot of spies everywhere. It was sort of like a a spy intensive political culture. And so, Duryodhana arranges for some of his agents to start telling everybody that there's this incredible new resort location in the kingdom called Varnavata. Apparently it's, if you, it's a little bit toward the north, the foothills, you know, it's kind of cooler in the summer. And he, he just has people start talking everywhere. And so soon the whole city is kind of buzzing about Varnavata. It's a new, like, destination of choice. And so the Pandavas also hear about this. You know, they hear that there's this great place to go, Varnavata. And so one day, Gritarashtra, working with Duryodhana, calls in the Pandavas and says, you know, Everybody's talking about Barnabas, I think I mean, you you kids should go take a vacation there. How how's the year sound to you?
1: <laughs>
0: and um, meanwhile, so the Pandavas agree because again, in order to understand the story, the Pandavas are these boys that grew up as yogis, as sages. And they are you know, it's like they're, they're very innocent, very naive still at this point. They're very naive and uh, you know, this is now their father by Dharma, Jidharastra. it's like, it, it's, it's inconceivable to them not to obey him it's just, the culture is so strong and so, I mean, even, even I remember just a few years ago, maybe they still do it when people would, like children would write letters to their father you know, they would begin the letters in India Puja Pitaji, like worshipable father so, so it's a, it was a very strong culture imagine thousands of years ago So the Pandavas agree. Meanwhile, Duryodhana has instructed one of his uh, darker agents, Purochana, to go to Varanavata and build a house for the Pandavas. They have a nice house. And he instructs him to make it a fire trap. Use every possible inflammable material so the thing will just go up like that in flames. He wants it to be, you know, just a fire trap. And that's what Purochana does. Purochana is. If anything worse than Duryodhana. So they build this house. Now, Vidura, Vidura discovers the plot at the last minute. And therefore, the Pandavas are actually leaving. They're actually on the way out. There's some kind of ceremony naturally, they're princes. So, with you know, some ceremony and pomp, they're leaving the city. And Vidura has to tell them what he what he knows. And yet, he can't just say it because naturally, you know, half the people in the crowd are Duryodhana spies. And is there. And if he sends people later, maybe too late, because Vidur has no idea when the assassination of the temple will take place. It could be day one. And so he feels he has to tell them now. And so it's interesting because he sort of tells them in this, what's called like this mlecha Vasha. There's some language of the lower class people. I don't know I guess Vedic jive or something and <laughs> any, anyway there, there's some language and um, so Vidura goes and he starts talking to you just here in this language that people don't understand. And basically and even then, because Vidura is so bright, he's afraid even even in this language, if I'm too explicit someone will hear it. And so, so he was very very careful. So he told him something like, uh, one who knows that the soul cannot be burned by fire uh, is not in danger. <laughs> and he says that one who knows, something like, uh, one who knows the stars can find his way. And so he's telling him there's going to be an unitarian. And these are very bright people. One thing, I mean, I... Uh, we, we had a discussion, I think, at the table about Shalia. And all that about the you know the little refreshment stands and things that i to show you. These warriors were extremely shrewd. They were extremely bright. I mean, I mean, they were trained. They were very sharp. And so, Eustace knew there's going to be an assassination attempt by fire, because Vidura said that again in a, in, a, in a different language. But he said that one who knows the soul cannot be burned is not in danger. When 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 Vidura said that one who knows can find his way by the stars, or one who knows the stars can find his way. He knew that we'll have to escape at night. And so there were a series of instructions that Vidura gave them. And and they leave. And uh, they go to Varunava, to Purochana, who whose job it is to actually ignite the house when the Pandavas least expect it and kill them, uh, sets up his own house right next to the Pandavas in an armory, a place where weapons are stored. And so even though the Pandavas know what's going to happen, if the Pandavas reveal they know and just leave, then Duryodhana will know that they know. And Duryodhana now is charge of the army. and He'll just openly go after them with the army. And so it's a very tense situation. The Pandavas know, but they can't let anyone know they know. They don't know when the attempt is going to be made to kill them. It's a very tense situation. And so tomorrow morning I'll explain to you what they did. (laughs) So thank you very much. I knew that that she Ma, she kept track of where he was, and she just knew who it was. It was her son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's um.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. That's the story of, the, of the, that he's born with armored armor earrings. I didn't mention that, as you know, this of course, for reasons I'll explain to you later. But um, yeah, but 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 she did recognize him. So root me
1: now we get to go to sleep wondering about fire. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to thank you very much, Vida, and I'm the